Major League Baseball and the Major League Baseball Players Association recently reached a deal on key issues that relate to how the coronavirus crisis has affected the economics of professional baseball. Current players who have secured the safety in knowing that they will receive service time despite the forfeiture of games are largely happy with the deal. Meanwhile, future pro players and some agents are not so thrilled with the terms of the deal. Welcome back to another episode of How to Play the Game, a podcast that was created to discuss sports business and sports law-related issues on a regular basis. My name is Darren Heitner, and I am your host. In today's episode, we look at how the new deal between the MLB and MLBPA will affect players this year in 2021 and 2022. Were the interests of future union members easily forgotten by current union membership? What effects may that have on players who would otherwise make an easy decision of going straight from high school to the pros? I am joined by Rob Katz to help answer those questions. Rob is a former MLB team executive and currently sits on the board of North Carolina Development Baseball. He has his ear to the ground on this particular issue. So I'd like to begin and talk about how Major League Baseball and the Players Association recently reached an agreement on new terms surrounding the relationship between players and teams based on coronavirus indefinitely suspending play. The agreement touches on service time, players' salaries, roster moves, the draft, and the international signing period. What's your overall take on the deal? I mean, it just, uh, well, first, thanks for having me, Darren. I think the challenge is, and I'm looking at it from a perspective of uh, prospects coming up, both in the minor leagues and, and draft prospects. And I think uh, if you look at it from, from their lens, uh, it creates uh, a number of challenges. Uh, I mean, I would think specifically for agents representing those players, creates, uh, it creates a number of challenges. And what specific challenges does it create? Uh, for the 2020 uh, and 2021 drafts, um, you've got several things that were basically adopted in this policy. The first is, uh, obviously, the drafts were shortened. So 2020 is expected to be between five and 10 rounds. Uh, it could be as few as five, and I think it's capped at 10 rounds. Um, the 2019 slot money will carry forward for both 2020 and 2021 drafts. Uh, so there'll be no uh, increases in those two years from the 2019 uh, slot values for those picks. Um, and then uh, you also have the uh, factor of the money being deferred. So if you think about it, uh, if you were drafted in 2019 uh, and you were the 20th overall pick, your signing bonus was $2.4 million dollars. Um, you can establish, you know, residency and, and, and somewhere that uh, 
can help you from a tax advantage. Uh, and now, essentially, you're you're deferring a significant portion of that signing bonus, and that's non-negotiable, as I understand it. So, if your bonus was two point four million dollars, you get a hundred thousand dollars up front. You're going to get fifty uh, percent of the remaining total in uh, twelve months from your signing date. And the following 50%, 24 months from your signing date. So uh, you're deferring money with no interest. So uh, if you take present value of money, it's roughly 2 and 4% decreases over those two years um, in, in deferred money. Based on your conversations with players and with advisors, how do you think these changes, reductions in the amount of rounds of the draft, uh, freezing slot values and deferring these signing bonus payments, how will that affect player decisions on whether to go pro early on, either straight out of high school or early in a, in a career in, at a university, or instead considering going to a university or spending more time there? Well, I think it certainly has added a lot of complexity to it. So if you're a, if you're a draft pick, again, who's going to get a bonus, you know, in the first uh, first uh, half of the draft, the first half of the first round, first, even in the throughout the first round, and you're going to get a $2 million bonus, uh, and you decide to go to school uh, instead of getting, instead of signing in 2020. In the 2022 draft, assuming that these changes are not permanent, you're going to get your whole signing bonus up front. So basically, you're going to get three years of education uh, and if assuming that you have confidence that you're going to go uh, either where you went uh, out of high school or potentially higher, if you look at somebody like a Kumar Rocker who decided to forego getting drafted out of high school, basically told teams he was going to Vanderbilt uh, and is likely going to be the top overall selection in 2021, uh, the argument can be made that Kumar made himself a lot more money by going to school. So I, I think that players who otherwise would have, it would have been an easier decision for them to get drafted and sign. Uh, I just think that this is, this is going to add um, another wrinkle to that and that the argument can be made that uh, you're going to get the same, you're going to get the same money uh, in a faster time if you go to school. And if a player decides to go to school as opposed to entering into the draft at an earlier age, is that player being advised to take out an insurance policy? Are schools going to be more incentivized to offer insurance policies? Because obviously there is some risk associated with not going straight to the pros, having a signing bonus, even if it is deferred, and instead going to school where one can be injured and potentially derail his career. Right. I think that that's part of the consideration. I think that as I mean, all of this is pretty recent. Right. So I think as players are speaking to their advisors uh, and their families, I think that's all a consideration. I certainly um, I think when J.D. Drew went to uh, play for the St. Paul Saints the one year, I think he had an insurance policy, if I'm if I'm uh, correct, before he went back into the draft. So, yeah, I, I don't think it's uh I don't think it would be uncommon or unprecedented if a player made that decision to have some protections. Um, but again, I think this is this has all happened so recently that I think people are still trying to get their arms around it. And then further complicating things uh, as far as, you know, the decision to go to college, you have, uh, you know, the NCA that just granted an additional year of eligibility. 
So at certain schools where, you know, they may have a commitment from a top draft pick, players may want to be returning to that school. Uh, so there's going to be a log jam. So I think you'll also see that trickle down effect um, in the transfer portal as well. How did this come to happen? Obviously, no one was prepared for coronavirus and the impact that it would have on, um, you know, going or having a delay with the regular season and potentially having a cancellation altogether. We don't yet know. Uh, but, but how did this deal come about? And do you believe that the players maybe did not, you know, did a disservice to those that may not yet be part of the union, but will soon be part of the union when they are drafted or assigned as, as an international signing? Yeah, I, I, I wasn't part of the discussion. So whether it was um, whether this is just an unintended consequence or not, obviously, there's a lot of moving pieces. Um, but I do think that there were certainly going to be changes with the draft coming at some point, And this maybe accelerated it. But if you look at the uh, rumored contraction of minor league teams that was um, that was in the news throughout the spring, early spring, um, I think that, you know, there were going to be teams were looking at having less players in the minor league system to start. So there were already rumors about what that, what impact that would have on the draft and international signing period and a potential uh, international draft. Um, so whether this was, uh, whether, whether this was really a, a factor at the table or like I said, an unintended consequence, it certainly does impact. Um, it certainly does impact players that are going to be coming into the professional ranks. Rob, I, I appreciate your time. Is there anything else that you want to add? No, no, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Darren. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of How to Play the Game. If you enjoyed it, then please share it with others and rate the podcast on the platform on which you listen. Feel free to contact me on social media or elsewhere with suggestions for future content. Until next time, stay safe.